0: Bowling alley destroys my bowling ball, so I take the owner's $200 ball to get even. Here's what happened. Subscribe to Am I the Jerk on YouTube and hit the bell for notifications. I had forgotten about this until recently and I thought I would share. It isn't a huge thing, but it resulted in me getting something I wanted but couldn't afford and then winning money with it. When I was younger and through my early to mid-adult years, I was an avid bowler. 200 plus average back when that actually meant you were good, before the bowling ball technology boom which really comes into play here. And I worked at the local bowling center from the time I was 16 through 21 or so, and then again later on in my early 20s, working the back as one of the pin setters, front of the house. Etc. So I knew how things operated and what could go wrong and things like that. I was bowling at a different center one day. After each shot, my ball came back with a small nick out of it. Nothing major, but yeah. So I put that ball away and brought out an old one that I never use, but it was in one of my bags. So next two or three shots, another nick each time. Fourth frame, it finally came back with a fairly large chunk taken out of it. Usually that means there's a nail or a screw that has worked its way loose and the ball is catching on it, or a piece of metal is broken near the ball lift and is cutting into it. I take the ball up to the counter and tell the manager and show him what happened. Now, I was only four frames into the game and said I would move. But he said no they couldn't move me as they had a party coming in and no lanes available He said just keep bowling and the pro shop will repair the ball I asked if he was sure and he said yeah He'll go in and tell them to fix it and the center would pay for it Most pro shops are individually owned and operated the owner rents the space from the center and this was no exception now Having done simple pro shop work. I know for a fact There's no way it can be fixed if I keep bowling with it and this keeps happening one gouge can be repaired fairly easily as long as it's not on the track of the ball the track is the contact point where your ball rolls down the lane so anything in that line just can't be fixed and will throw off the ball as it rolls since it can't be perfectly rounded back depending on the core of the ball and how you throw it the track can be three to four inches wide as the ball flares going down the lane but massive multiple gouges all over the place no way So I keep bowling, two or three games, knowing that I'm getting a new bowling ball out of this. Of course, the huge chunks keep coming out of the ball. I get finished and there probably isn't a two inch by two inch section of the ball that isn't damaged. I take the ball into the pro shop and the conversation goes like this. What the hell happened to this ball? Did it get hung up in the pin setter or something? The lane I was on damaged it each time I threw it. The manager said you would fix it. Why did you keep bowling? I can't fix this. The manager told me to keep bowling after I showed him the first gouge. The pro shop guy then calls in the manager of the center. I know you said he was bringing in a damaged ball, but did you tell him to keep bowling after you saw the damage? Yeah, we couldn't move him, so I told him to just bowl out his games and you'd fix it. I can't fix this. You're gonna have to replace his ball. What? They continue arguing back and forth about why it can't be fixed. The ball that I have, they don't carry which adds another problem. Fine, I'll replace it with anything on the wall except for the Excalibur. The Excalibur was almost 50% more expensive than regular bowling balls. It was the first reactive resin ball on the market. Reactive resin is a compound that made the ball hook much, much more than a traditional urethane ball. It revolutionized the game and ruined it according to some, since it allowed average and below average bowlers to suddenly improve drastically due to not having to be anywhere near as accurate and took a lot of the skill out of the game. But I digress. So I can pick any ball other than the Excalibur and you'll pay for it, drilling and all. Yeah. Okay, thanks. The manager then leaves. Can I have store credit for that ball on the wall, but then apply it to the Excalibur and I'll pay the difference? Sure, we can do that. He then proceeds to measure my hand and drill the ball. And I pay like 40 bucks for what would have been 150 to 200 ball that I definitely couldn't have afforded at the time. I bowled my second ever 300 game with it less than a month later and won two center tournaments with it and a bunch of high game pot money during league play. That ball paid for itself 10 times over in the first two months. Turns out the manager being an ignorant jerk paid off for me. I mean, there's nothing really bad about this situation for our poster here. This is really all on the manager. It could have been easily avoided by just putting that lane out of commission and letting the guy move to another lane. I get that you have a party, but there's a problem with that lane. You can't let him keep bowling on it. And I don't understand how his lane time is still worth you having to pay for the damages to his ball. If anything, maybe just give him credit for a couple of games and say, I'm sorry, I can't let you play today because I have those lanes reserved. But this just feels like the worst possible decision the manager could have made, at least for his own interests. Our poster got off quite nicely. Customer service lady is rude and not paying attention. So she escorts me out despite the fact that I didn't even pay. I was biking around downtown and got a flat tire. So I went to the nearest shop to get it fixed. They only allow one person in the store at a time due to COVID. So when it was my turn, I went inside and talked to the middle-aged woman at the cash. To be honest, she wasn't very polite. But I thought nothing of it because not only do I work in retail and know what it's like, but everything is 10 times worse right now due to COVID. So anyways, after tolerating her for a few minutes, she tells me to wait outside until the bike is ready. Cool, no problem. I wait outside for maybe 15 minutes or so before I see my bike get brought back up to the cache. I waited a few more minutes for the lady to invite me back inside, but to no avail. After a few more minutes of waiting, I let myself inside, to which she said, Excuse me, your bike isn't ready yet. Wait outside until I tell you it's ready. Cool, no problem. I gave her another 15 minutes of my time before letting myself back inside, and we had this exchange. Do you not listen? I told you to wait until your bike is ready. I'm sorry, I just noticed the repairman bring my bike back up and I think it's ready. Too bad, it hasn't been fixed yet. This broke me, so I just said, okay, thanks for your time, I'll be leaving. She looked a little flustered, but nonetheless held the door open for me as I grabbed my bike, walked outside, and rode away with a free tire exchange. Thanks, jerk. I don't know, maybe this lady was just having a bad day, being rude for no real reason and then just not paying attention to what's going on around her on her job. Either way, worked out nicely for our poster here. So far, we just seem to have a trend of good customer service. I tried to warn my manager that what he was saying was going to lead to a disaster, but he wouldn't listen. About five years ago, I was working as a production supervisor for a metal forging company. We had recently acquired a transmission part for a well-known American motorcycle brand. This part was being made on a hydraulic press. And we had trouble with the part melting our dies due to the unique shape of the part and the fact that this part should have been made on a forging hammer press, not a hydraulic one. We were getting very behind on the customer orders due to the fact that we typically had to either repair or replace dies approximately every 1,500 pieces. This is in contrast to other parts that had die lives exceeding 6,000 pieces. My manager who had only been on the job around six months pulls me into the office and tells me on the next run, do not shut down for any reason unless the forge press breaks down. I tried to clarify that the dies would not last and I would have to stop the process occasionally to replace dies. He was emphatic that under no circumstances was I to shut down the process he even went so far as to email me a reminder of this hopefully you can see where this is going over the next run we did not stop even though my quality control guy is losing his mind over how bad the parts are I tell him don't worry it's all on me in my head as he doesn't know about my managers demand we set a production record even though maybe a thousand out of the 4,000 pieces we produced are actually good next day plant manager and quality director pull me into the office it's explained to me that I'm probably gonna lose my job due to the fact that I blatantly allowed non-conforming parts to be produced. I asked if I could print an email for my defense. I get quizzical looks, but the plant manager okays it. I print off an email from my manager stating not to shut down for any reason and hand it over. My manager gets reamed. I get a firm reminder that regardless of demand, we must assure quality over quantity and that the only reason I was not terminated was the fact that I was acting under explicit direction from a manager. But hey, I tried to warn the jerk. The one thing that stands out to me is that as the low level floor worker, you were immediately threatened to lose your job and the manager just gets chewed out. He's the manager. He's the one that's supposed to know better. You would think if anyone would be losing their job over this, it would be the manager because it happened on his watch and he okayed this. But anyways, in this case, our original poster just did what they were asked. Can't hold someone at fault for doing what they're told by their superior. I threatened to sue my sister-in-law for losing my $2,000 camera. I'm a 26 year old female. My sister-in-law, 20 years old, moved in with me and my husband weeks ago because of problems with her boyfriend. She isn't planning on going back till he apologizes, even though she broke his Xbox in an argument. I'm a blogger. I have a small space in our apartment, sort of like my office, but very small where I work for hours. Sister-in-law always enters the room and takes stuff and doesn't return them, resulting in me replacing them. I got a lock she was going to the beach with some friends to let off some steam and asked if she could borrow my two thousand dollar video camera to record the trip but I declined and explained that I was working on the weekend and would need it I got done with my project and left my camera at the desk when I woke up the next day at 9am I had a shower then breakfast and entered my office but didn't find my camera I freaked out and my husband told me to calm down because his sister took it to the beach he assured me it was in safe hands but I kept worrying about it and was upset by the fact that she took it and he gave her the key. She got back at 7 p.m. and was peeved talking about getting in a fight with her boyfriend after seeing him with someone at the beach and it ruined her day. She started crying loudly and cussing him out. I asked for my camera back and she said she didn't have it. She left angry after the encounter and forgot her sunglasses, cream, hat, and my camera at the beach. Her friend Aiden picked up some of the stuff and brought it back but the camera apparently got stolen. I started yelling, calling her irresponsible and reckless, and that this was my $2,000 camera she left behind. She started apologizing, then tried to blame it on her now ex-boyfriend for getting her into a fight with the girl he was with. I said, I need the camera for my work, and she had to replace it like yesterday. My husband got involved and said it wasn't her fault it got stolen and suggested I buy a cheaper camera from Amazon for now till I could afford to buy a new one. I said, what? Why should I buy a replacement when it was his sister who lost it? She took it without permission and was responsible for whatever happened afterwards. He tried to make excuses for her about being an emotional mess. I said, I have no problem suing her. He asked if I was serious and I said, yes, because I've worked hard to get this camera and my work's always been known to be of high quality. So for him to suggest a cheap cam from Amazon was offensive. He said he was just trying to help fix the problem. But I said he was just helping his sister avoid responsibility. Both him and his sister aren't speaking to me anymore and suddenly are claiming they're giving me time to calm down where in fact, they're cold shouldering me, making me feel guilty for saying that. I'm not sure if doing this will be the morally right thing though, since she's family as my husband says. So am I the jerk? The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal it probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. With the McDonald's app, you can get your favorite thing delivered to your door. So if you were looking for a reason to skip washing those dishes you left in the sink, consider this a sign. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Right now, get $0 delivery fee with any purchase of $15 or more, only in the app. At participating McDonald's, minimum purchase excludes tax and service fees. Delivery prices may be higher than in restaurants. Other fees may apply, not valid with any of the offer, discount, or coupon. With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in business into your busy day. I would like to have some sympathy for the sister-in-law here, but honestly, I'm having a hard time. She sounds like a little bit of a drama queen. And the fact that she asked for the camera, you said no, and then she took it anyway and lost it, she should feel responsible for it. Now, going and suing her for it, I don't know. That's a very serious step. And as your husband points out, she is family. But I totally get where the instinct is coming from. I think the question you really need to ask yourself is, is $2,000 really worth all the trouble this is going to cause? I do think your husband should be supporting you more here though, and understanding that yes, your sister might not be in a great place, but she still needs to be responsible. My ex-wife chewed out our kids for not acting sad at their stepdad's funeral, but they never really liked the guy. My ex-wife and I share two children. Our daughter is 13 and our son is 11. She was remarried for seven years and has two children with her late husband. He died a week ago. My kids were not close to the man. He was a bit hard and the kids found him overly strict and I agree. So they didn't like being around him. The relationship at best was strained, but they confided in me over the years that they hoped their mom would leave him. She loved the guy though. And when he died last week, she was a mess. Our kids were with me when it happened and she wanted to see them, so I brought them over. They comforted their mom, and she told them repeatedly it was okay to cry. It was okay to miss him, that they were all going to miss him. The kids said nothing. She kept repeating it. I told her, I think the kids got it. When the kids saw their mom again, she was halfway through planning the funeral and asked if they would be able to do a reading or something for the funeral. The kids said they wouldn't be able to. She was with them a while and then said, since they weren't crying much, maybe they could take a reading and see how they did on the day. My kids told me about it when I spoke to them and they asked if I could talk to their mom. I told my ex not to force the reading. The funeral day came and I showed up for my kids. They were hanging back with me a lot and they told me their mom kept watching them, which I witnessed myself. For the funeral, I sat behind them since she wouldn't let them sit with me. She told us that all her husband's kids should be seated up front and I didn't have the heart to tell her they weren't his kids on the day of her husband's funeral when she was already such a mess so I bit my tongue and supported my kids it was after the service when everything went down the kids came to sit in my car for a while and we were laughing about something My ex came over and asked, how could they be laughing when they had just buried their stepdad? And why did they show no grief at all over the loss of a man who was a part of their lives for seven years? She said it was almost like they were glad he was gone. She told them they should have been looking way more somber after he passed. She told them if they really didn't care that they clearly needed help because her husband loved them. I stepped in and told her to lay off the kids. They were kids. She told me to stop interfering with how she parents our kids. My daughter ended up getting mad at her mom and told her she wasn't sad he was gone. He was a jerk, and she had always hoped she would leave him. She stormed off, and my son followed. My ex was going crazy, and I yelled at her and told her to cut it out and to stop trying to make our kids perform a grievance routine over her husband. I told her they were trying to support her, and she should be proud of them for that. She started yelling back at me about what a jerk I am, so I walked away. Am I the jerk? I'll be honest, this is really just an unfortunate situation for everyone involved. I feel bad for dad being caught in the middle. I feel bad for mom for having lost her husband, who she did clearly love, despite the fact that he maybe had some faults. And I feel bad for the kids for being a target here. I mean, surely she had some kind of instinct as to how they felt about their stepfather over the years. It had been seven years. This can't be the first time she's noticing that maybe they weren't the biggest fans of his. But regardless, I agree with our poster here. You can't really expect the kids to put on an act. They're there to support you. They understand that despite how they may have felt about the man, that you still need help right now. And they're there to give it to you but I can't chew out mom too much. She just lost her husband. I think some time needs to pass and a follow-up conversation needs to happen here. It's just really unfortunate that all of this happened on the day of the funeral. My wife took down our special anniversary painting so she could put up her sister's basic drawing. My wife of five years is a huge fan of Calvin and Hobbes. She has been since she was a teenager and she's 43 now. She and I have had a lot of issues in the past because she, in the past, before marriage, while we were dating, would always prioritize her family, siblings and parents, instead of our relationship. Fast forward a lot of counseling, time, and miles, and here we are. For our anniversary, I bought her a special one-of-a-kind original painting that we kept hung in our bedroom. It's special because it's symbolic of each of us waiting for the time and place that we found each other. We found each other later in life, 36 and 31. Fast forward to tonight. I walk upstairs and see that our painting is laying on one of our dressers and hung in its place is one of her sister's paintings. She had apparently painted this piece recently so that it could hang in the bedroom of our 10-month-old. A little bit of context, we have two kids, a two-and-a-half-year-old and a a 10-month-old. My wife had a previous Calvin and Hobbes painting that her sister did, and it hangs in our two-and-a-half-year-old's room, despite me voicing my disapproval. After confronting my wife, she said that she wanted to treat the boys the same, so her sister painted another pic for our youngest son. Am I the jerk for being mad that she took down our painting to display her sister's? My wife claims that she just wanted to remember her young years for a night and that she was planning on putting the drawing in our son's room in the morning and our painting back up on the wall. I'm furious and told her that again, she's picking her family over me. Out of all the possible places to hang this piece, she took down a sentimental piece. WTF? Am I overreacting here? Okay, I understand that the piece is sentimental and everything, but she did say she was just going to take it down for the night, and was then going to put it right back up. At that point, it shouldn't have been such a big issue. Now clearly you've attached a lot of meaning to this picture, and just the act of it even being taken down temporarily has you in a bit of a fuss. I really think you need to take a step back here. The picture will go back up on the wall, and even if it didn't go back up in that specific spot, it can go somewhere else. It still has the same meaning. No matter where it's placed in the house. I'm really getting a lot of insecure vibes from our poster here You said you guys have been to counseling, but it seems like there maybe still needs to be some progress made here I'm sure your wife loves you and that painting very much. You can't take something like this personally My boyfriend refuses to get rid of his teddy bears. So my boyfriend is a great guy, but he has about seven different teddy bears, all with names, not from childhood, like recently bought them between three to five years ago. He cuddles them and sometimes talks to them. He lives a normal life, makes good money, and the relationship is overall good. It's not even like he ignores me. I just find it really weird and embarrassing. I told him he should grow up and stop being crazy. He started crying and is now in the room talking to the stupid bear again instead of talking it out with me. How does this guy make enough money for a three-bed house on his own, yet does stupid stuff like this? For the record, we don't live together, and completely support ourselves separately. Should I encourage him to get a hobby or something? Am I the jerk for wanting a grown man to stop having teddy bears? As far as I know, nothing happened to make him specifically want a teddy bear. The first one he got because it was a Pokemon thing or whatever, but it just spiraled into more. Uh... Okay, this one's a little weird. It kind of sounds like maybe this guy just has them as an outlet. Like, maybe this is how he gets his feelings out, without having to talk to real people almost like a journal. Now, I will say it does seem a little weird that he got so upset so quickly when it was brought up and that he instead chose to go talk to the bears instead of you. But again, maybe this is just how he's coping with his emotions. Who cares if that's how he needs to let stuff out? There are people that do a lot worse than that to blow off steam. He thankfully doesn't have a drinking problem or something. When you subscribe, make sure to hit the bell to turn on notifications. Put the playlist on in the background to finish listening to all the stories. Links in the description. And if you like Am I the Jerk, give Am I the Genius a shot. Links in the description as well. Either way, thanks a lot for watching, and we'll see you guys next time.